Hello everyone and welcome to Education Checkup. I'm Johnette Magner. We're a weekly podcast here at KTBS and we cover what is happening in education in Northwest Louisiana. I am joined today by my co-host, Dr. Philip Roseman. He is a cardiologist by occupation, but he is here today as a champion of education in Louisiana. He is the past chairman of Blueprint Louisiana and a recipient of the Bob Ham Lifetime Distinguished Service Award by Council for a Better Louisiana. He is also co-founder of the Shreveport Mosier Business Alliance for Higher Education. Welcome, Dr. Roseman. Well, thank you very much. We have a, another spotlight on success today. We've been highlighting some of the uh, schools that made significant improvements over the last few years, and uh, Summerfield is, is one of those. And we're happy today to have as our guest, a principal, Miss um, Alyssa Elledge, uh, and she comes from Summerfield now as principal, but has been vice principal for lots of schools. We welcome you and thank you for what you're doing at Summerfield. Thank you. And with her is Kimberly McGuire, who's the coordinator. Uh, 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 and again, she comes from multiple diverse environments and schools and can bring a, a real significant uh, look at this from the eyes of, of, of the educator. I guess we'll start off just real quickly, just telling us a little bit about your school, uh, a little bit about where it is and the history of the school um, and uh, go from there. Okay, um, we're a, a school right on the edge of town, uh, at the south side of town, heading out, going towards Keithville, um, tucked in a little neighborhood off Artist Taylor Drive. Um, we have about 450 students, and there, some of them are bus stands, some of them on walk, and some of them are dropped off by car. So we're just a little mix of country students and city students. And um, the school opened in 1969, and um, it's, it's just right in the heart of Southern Hills. And we're very proud to represent that area. Yeah, it's a, I think more, it, it had an area time when it was really the growing place. In but now it's coming back and there's a lot of growth. I think people don't know about it out there where you live. Yes, we're very excited about the new grocery store, Aldi, that just opened up. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a Starbucks on that side of town yeah. and a Chick-fil-A. Um, so there's a lot of growth that's happening on that side of town and it's very exciting. Yeah, it is. Now, tell us about some of the successes that you're most proud of uh, related to your school. What What's happened over the last few years that really brings you great pride? Well, this is our third year um, at Summerfield, um, our third year of knowing each other, actually. And um, from day one, we just hit the ground running, um, looking at student data, looking at teacher data, and um, changing the mindset uh, of the school um, to become a more growth mindset. And the teachers really bought into that change, and the students welcomed that change as well. And um, so we're just very proud of the hard work that has gone in on all fronts from the staff, the students, the parents. Um, everyone is very excited with the growth that's happening at Summerfield. And um, we're just very proud of, of the buy-in and the hard work that everyone has put forth. Let me ask you about a specific thing that you wrote down as one of the things that you saw as a positive thing at your school was the best. Uh, and I want you to explain a little bit about that. What was interesting to me is you started it as best boys and then you added the girls. And I always kid uh, Johnette about you know, the fact that the girls are doing so much better in school than boys do. And, 
and wondered how that got started and how that's worked for you. Well, our director, Dr. Marvin Rainey, um, has just a passion for young boys and um, making sure that they are become productive citizens. And so um, he started the initiative in all of our schools that are in our cluster of, um, of boys excelling. And so um, for the past three years, it's just been the boys, you know, and they, it's a leadership group and they go out and do service projects and um, really just excel that way. Well, we had some girls that felt left out and um, they wanted to participate as well. And so we started with the girls just on a smaller scale um, last year and it's grown this year and they, they love it. They are very representative of our campus. They are leaders on our campus and um, are very happy to be able to participate with the boys. So it's a, a voluntary thing and, and it's basically some extracurricular type activities and things, is that? Yes, sir. It's a, a club of sorts. Um, it's they're chosen by administrator recommendation, teacher recommendation, um, just students that we feel like maybe um, kind of wallflowers at times, um, but have some leadership qualities. And so it's really just to, um, I guess, provide some support and um, a little push to help get them, you know, noticed. Uh, and they are they step up every time. Yeah, that's uh, that's and really neat. Thing, starting the kind of a leadership. Adding yes, on to her her um, information is when they feel good about themselves. It definitely we see an impact in their student achievement. Absolutely, there's a huge difference in that. So, were you are were you seeing issues with you know as Dr. Roseman <coughs> talked about, you know boys thriving. You know we've been so focused on our girls, our bring your daughter to work and all of that. It's it's it seems like the girls have kind of passed up the boys. What are you trying to address? What are you seeing that's a challenge with boys this age that you hope to overcome with, these, with this program? Well, we really want them to be leaders um, on campus and off campus, um, and they, they are. They go and work with the younger students. They read to them. Um, they help them get out of the car. Um, and then when they go out into the community, um, last weekend we filled bags for the homeless at the um, church in North Highlands and they were very proud to be able to do that. They just want to serve their community. And so what we want to do is provide them an opportunity to do that um, in a positive way. And uh, they, they jump at the chance every, every opportunity that they get and they seek out things. Um, they want to raise the flag every day. They want to open the doors every day. Um, they want to be the face of our school. And so uh, we really embrace that and, and welcome that from them. So this is an honor to be chosen. Definitely, we get phone calls and messages on Facebook regularly. How can my child become part of this organization? And it's for the older grade levels, uh, fourth and fifth grade. And so um, they they can't wait until they're in fourth and fifth grade so that they can get to participate. And do they get like a special shirt or anything like that or a badge to wear or something? The boys have white shirt and black pants and red bow ties. And then the girls were all black and um, usually have on some kind of a pearl necklace. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> We'll have to get some pictures. Yeah, yes. that would be great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess it becomes a real incentive for those that are younger to act in a way that would get them into it best. Uh, they definitely look up to them. Um, it's it's very cute to watch in the mornings when they're out waving and opening doors because the, the younger children um, are awestruck 
almost, for lack of a better word, um, like they're being greeted by celebrities, really. <laughs> it's very cute. That is great. You know, one of the things that you also wrote that struck me was about the, in, the parental involvement uh, at your school. Uh, you mentioned a number like 200 families are really involved, you know, in the school. And I thought that's great and something that maybe not others have not been able to, to do. How did you get there? Uh, with with the involvement of parents, what are the things that y'all did? You know, as it relates to that. You want to talk about it? Or? Mm -hmm. Well, we have several different um, opportunities and activities for parents to be involved, for them to come up to the school with their students. Of course, the kids love showing off their school. They love having the parents come through. Um, we have literacy nights. We have different events like that, and we have a huge turnout for all of those things. And I think with COVID, when we weren't allowed to have anybody in school, um, they just had such a desire to get back in the building. And so once we were able to open our doors and welcome them back, um, we had a variety of opportunities that were exciting for them to come um, and experience what we were doing in schools because they had been out of them for so long. Yeah, it seems to me in, in Southwest Report, the schools have become uh, kind of the center of the community. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's what you're, you're telling me is happening at, at, at Summerfield, that indeed the school has become a center for the community. I think it is. I mean, we, um, we have muffins with moms and donuts with dads. We have to split our grandparents' day into two different days um, mm -hmm. for grade levels. Uh, tomorrow we have th uh, Christmas lunch for pre-K to second grade. We did um, Thanksgiving for grades three through five because we have such a turnout and we don't have space to accommodate everybody at one time, so we do have to split it up. Um, and it is very exciting to be able to have, um, you know, that kind of participation. You know, John and I have heard a, a lot of stories from different schools, and one of the things that comes up really all the time is this idea of school culture, of school climate, about the importance of that. What have you, what have, what have you done to address that at Somerville and to change that into where you are today? Well, <clears throat> we use data for everything that we do. Um, I survey teachers and parents and students regularly just to keep kind of a pulse on the campus um, and to find out you know, how we're functioning as a unit. Um, last year, we had some data that we used to create a stewardship agreement is what we called it. Um, for this year and that's just kind of an agreement of how we want to treat each other um, on the campus and how we want to cultivate um, a climate of excellence from our students and from our coworkers. And so um, we, we created that in August and that's kind of what we've been living by this year to create a culture um, on our campus of, of thriving ag adults and yeah. children. Um, and that's, you know, how we've, created that for this year, but it's it's taken a little bit of time to get to that point, just me being new to the campus and Miss McGuire being new to the campus. It took, you know, it takes time to, to learn people and create a relationship. Right. Now the stewardship agreement, is it with the ch children, the students, or with the 
teachers or with the parents or all of the above? Well, we we started just with our staff. Okay. um, And we did that this summer. And um, it's just a way of of how we want to treat each other and kind of what we want to hear from the students and how to be a model for our students. Um, If we expect certain things from them, then we have to model for them, you know, what we want to see. And so we created it just with our staff. Um, You've given me some ideas of expanding it to my (laughs) students and my parents um, for next year. So um, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I I was thinking as you were talking about that, that, uh, you know, this this would be really interesting to see uh, with the students and with Mm -hmm. the parents. People tend to, when they have an agreement, written agreement they tend to treat it with a lot of respect and so i think that's that would be interesting to see how that might work uh at at (laughs) your school but uh well i'd like to hear more about what is actually in this agreement what are some of the things that you all put in there that people really felt like needed to be articulated well, I feel like I'm doing all the talking if you want to say anything. That's the instructional part. <laughs> I'll get to how we raised our school scores and how we planned for it. <laughs> um, well, what we did was um, we talked about how we wanted to be treated in a time of conflict. Um, you know, it's best to have that discussion before there's a conflict so that you don't, you know, avoid it, I guess, or... or um, disrespect someone in a conversation. So we talked about how we wanted to be treated that way, um, how we wanted to be recognized when things are going well, um, and then how we would um, kind of address, I guess, greet our students or greet each other, how we, you know, if we wanted to be treated with grace or understanding or, you know, just things like that. So it it started out kind of like this with just a conversation. um, And then we just cultivated some statements from our words that we um, generated together and um, of course I sent that out to get approval from mm-hmm. everybody on um, on the a Google form and everyone you know agreed to it and then we printed it up and it's posted in a couple of different places on our campus. That's cool. You know one of the things that um, we uh, he- hear a lot about are what one of the uh, principles that we had earlier talked about the secret sauce at their school. What, what was it that really drove, you know, the improvements that they had in it? I know that mm-hmm. y'all have had huge improvements with your scores. What are the things that you see are the important things that drove that um, in your school? Um, that would be our weekly meetings. We have weekly meetings every Thursday uh, without fail. <laughs> we always have them um, and it's a lot of planning. Um, but we've shifted our focus. We have different cycles of learning that we go through and we've continued the cycle this nine weeks with focusing on uh, planning for learning versus planning for teaching. Um, They always plan to teach their lesson, um, but diving deeper into it, like what is is the learning gonna look like? What does the student, student achievement look like? What is the outcome? What will their success criteria be? Because at the, or, and we also have to look at achievement level descriptors that we have from the state. All of those things combined have to be looked at and they're all entities of their self. And then we have to relate that back to the work and does it match our state standards? Because the curriculum they follow is written for anyone in any state. Right. So we have to really get into it and look at, does this match the state standard? Because in the end, that's what they're tested on. And so it takes a lot of meetings and a lot of changing things for to make that happen. A lot of planning on the teacher's part and our part. You know, one of the things that always, uh, I wasn't sure how that worked out in, in different schools, but 
you know, there are people that really like numbers and thrive on numbers and analyze numbers and like mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are people who don't. Uh, it's not their thing, you know, to analyze numbers. And I'm sure there's great teachers in both of those camps. Some that are really good, you know, good about that analysis. Some, some that want you to do the analysis and tell them in <laughs> mm -hmm. prose what it is that they're to do. Right. How do you distinguish that? How do you work that in your school? Well, so we actually have both of those types of teachers. I mean, there's those that, can you just do this for me and tell me how to do better and what? And we, I do. I mean, it. I work with all because I wasn't really a numbers person before. You know, I could look at it, but I really didn't get into it until Dr. Ellich came and she showed me how to more so read the data and dive deeper into it. And so now I love it. And so I, you know, that's all we do. Um, but there are still teachers who, can you do this? And so if I have a both, I mean, I have some that I have it ready for them. And so I give them the numbers and then we look at, okay, how can we fix it? What else do we need to look at? What pieces of student work have you brought? Okay, let's, because it goes beyond even planning for it. Like they have to look at their student work and then we have to, if you will prescribe a certain thing for each child because they're lacking in different areas and so then they have to create what's also called a, a classroom support plan that has each child on it and what skill they actually need to pull them in a small group and work on you know initially um initially i'm old enough to remember when we started the data and the accountability and and all that and initially i think it would be for teachers an overwhelming negative. Uh, but I wonder if that's changed over time in terms of understanding how how teachers can, this may help teachers with individual children within their purview. I think it has changed. Um, I will honestly say it, it, was, a, it was negative in the beginning. Um, they did come and they were like, oh, this is just taking up my break or, you know, that kind of thing, because it is the only break they have all day. Um, so, but over the years that we've done it, like the last three years, they've seen growth in their students and not just in a year, like even um, in a nine week period before we take like the end of assessment, the end of nine mm -hmm. weeks assessment, they look at their kids and they get excited because they've seen the child that was so far behind that they didn't think was going to do whatever skill it was. and they come in all the time now and they're like, they did this or, you know, they learned how to do, and when they see that, then it, they get more invested in it. Yeah. Let me just real quickly, as you look at it, what's your greatest challenge? What do y'all see as the greatest challenge uh, going forward at your hmm. school? Hmm. Raising our score even higher. <laughs> yes, not being satisfied. Um, constantly moving forward. Um, I do feel like there's a little bit of a, maybe a moving target. And so um, we just have to stay um, ahead of that and, and focused on what our goal is. Um, and so I think just not becoming comfortable with where we are, it would be something that's a mm -hmm. challenge. Yeah. Um, and so just keeping everybody motivated to, to move forward. Now let me Let me ask you to share kind of some personal thoughts with the, uh, with the audience. Uh, and one is, just want to ask if you have any words of wisdom that you would uh, like to talk to in terms of community, in terms of 
parents, in terms of students, what, what words of wisdom might you share with them? <laughs> well, I, I always, every week, every time I talk to anybody really um, about anything, I always say, you know, stay focused. Um, it's your choice to participate in a distraction or not. Um, and because everybody has them, they're all around. And if you choose to become involved in a distraction, you're gonna lose sight of your goal. So um, just staying focused on your goal without participating in a distraction is, is the way I mo uh, stay motivated. Well, I love that, I love that, I really do. I, I can think about it in my life, I need to get rid of the distractions. Okay. There's a book called focused. Indistractable by Nir Eyal. You both might wanna read it. <laughs> well, good, I will. Kimberly? Um, Mine and I guess the thing that I've focused on more so uh, since we've worked together and the words of wisdom would be um, planning, preparation, and practice. Because even with the meetings that I deliver, you know, to teachers or to whomever, um, it takes a lot of planning and preparation, but then I sit in there and I practice it also because we flub up or we make mistakes and I'm like, that's not gonna work or I have to go back and redo this, this didn't work, and that it's okay to do that and then go back and perfect it after that. That is, that's great advice, <laughs> great advice. Uh, the last thing I do is more of a personal question. And, uh, you know, we all have choices about where we live. Um, and, uh, uh, and you're, of course, as, as we are living in Shreveport Bossier. What is it about Shreveport Bossier that's good, that draws you here? Uh, why did you elect to stay here and be part of this community, live your adult life in this community? Well, I've, I'll start because I've, I've been here all my life. I grew up here. Um, I went through the public education system. Um, I went to college uh, and my daughter has been here her entire life and gone through the public education system. So I just really believe in it. I believe it, you know, it works. <clears throat> well, I grew up in Sabine Parish and I moved away um, and then my son and I moved back home. My family is here and has been here and so I moved um, about five years ago back here with my son and he went through Caddo Parish Schools um, and we just really enjoy the sense of community that's here. Um, I think it's a large city but it has kind of a small feel as well and growing up in the country, in, in Manny, I like that feeling. Yeah. Well, Jeanette and I would say to you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, we appreciate what you're doing and uh, and the the expertise and that I can see and the leadership that's going on at, at Summerfield and the impact it has on that community and the impact it has on those children and the parents. So we're thankful. Uh, and thank you for being with us as one of the, the schools that we spotlight on their success. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for joining us for Education Checkup. You can view our other podcasts anywhere you listen to them or go to our website at ktbs.com slash podcast. Have a good day and join us next time for Education Checkup. <laughs>